Now, the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter on 1010XL. Presented by Osteen, Volvo, and Volkswagen. And Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics. From Players Grill Mandarin, here are your hosts, Ryan the Hacker Green, Leon Searcy, and Coach Campo. Off to the right to Travis Etienne. Got a little bit of a block. 40, 45. Oh, on the right sideline. 40, 35, 30, 25. Travis Etienne still on his feet. Travis Etienne to the goal line. Touchdown, Travis Etienne. An explosive run in the first touchdown of the game for the Jaguars. Frank Frangi on the call. Jaguars radio. And with that, a very good New Year's Eve to you, Jacksonville. It is the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. We are brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics at Osteen Volkswagen. And we are live. Players Grill in Mandarin, 10-140 San Jose Boulevard. This is a home game for me. We love the Players Grill Miramar. We also love the Players Grill here in Mandarin on San Jose Boulevard as the Jacksonville Jaguars for the first time since the final Sunday in November. About a month, a little over a month, defeat the Carolina Panthers. They win a football game 26-0 today. It was a get-right game with the head coach Dave Campo and the Pro Bowler Leon Searcy. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. And Leon, all Mm. the talk about C.J. Beathard coming into the game, he was one of the stories. Travis Etienne was one of the stories. Uh But the big story today, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, and that Jaguar defense pitching a shutout against a Carolina team that put 30 on Green Bay last week. Well, uh, listen, Hack, this is what I, I, I was looking forward to this week because, don't get me wrong, I didn't want Trevor to get hurt, but I wanted to see how this team was going to respond if they had to have a backup quarterback. And they responded exactly the way that I thought they were going to respond. They rallied the troops. They had a running game. They had a defense, a, a game plan that just corralled the Panthers the whole game long. You're talking about six sacks. You're talking about under 150 yards of total offense. This defense got after it and an interception. Offensively, we ran to Travis Etienne, had an outstanding game. And this is what Bethel did. Didn't win the game for us, but he damn sure didn't lose it. And what I mean by that, he didn't have any touchdowns, but he took care of the football. No interceptions, no turnovers, and he didn't try to press the, he didn't try to press the issue. If it wasn't there, guess what he did? He took off and ran. And he protected the ball while he was running. So, I mean, I, I was happy to see this team not only win the game, but win the game in dominating form that they won the game and to get a shutout because all you need is to get that one win to feel good about yourself, and then they may have a carryover to next week. You want to talk about a company man, ladies and gentlemen. Dave Campo, 24 hours ago, was in Arlington, Texas, at the Dallas-Detroit game honoring Jimmy Johnson, your friend. You were on his staff. I enjoyed you in the intro video for Jimmy there going into the Cowboy Ring of Honor. Coach gets on the red eye to come join us now 24 hours later back here in Jacksonville. Happy you're back safe. You're a defensive guy, Coach. The Jaguars must have brought a smile to your face today. Listen, uh, I don't care if you're playing the sisters of the poor. (laughs) When you shut a team out in the National Football League, I don't care who it is, and especially with a number one draft pick at quarterback. Yep. Uh, you're doing the right thing. And I, I was really excited to see the guys crank it up. And, I'm, and I'll be honest with you, I'm really excited about Trayvon Walker because people have been kicking his tail all year, and he had two sacks. He's, he's looking at possibly uh, a double-digit sack situation this year. Trayvon Walker down nine sacks on the year. Josh Allen, I believe he was credited with three today. That puts him at 16-and-a-half. It definitely makes him – 
the single-season sack leader in Jaguar history. He honored Calais Campbell, I think, today when he broke the record. He did the Calais celebration. Of course, Josh was a rookie here when Calais was here, Mm -hmm. and I still uh, believe they have a nice friendship from that year. But, Leon, what did you see out of both Allen and Walker individually today as Carolina could not block either guy? Well, first and foremost, Carolina Panthers' offensive line is atrocious. They're horrible. All right, they're bad. And they've, but, they've invested draft picks uh, but, and money there, but, too. But that's not our fault. That's yeah. their fault for giving them the money of drafting them, okay? All right, Aquanu. There were Moulton, people here that wanted Aquanu. I know, Aquanu and Moden. I mean, they got destroyed. They got demolished. They got beat off the edge. That's what you're supposed to do. Take advantage of the crowd noise. I mean, another pleasant thing I saw. I didn't go to the game, but I was watching on TV. The bank was packed. Yeah, it was loud. It was the last home game in Jacksonville, and they showed up and they showed out. I was proud to see that. And guess what? That helps the defense. Because offensive line is in silent count. And if you can get that one that one step or that one jump on that guy, when you saw when you saw Trayvon Walker and you saw Josh Allen getting those sacks, it was they were turning the corners or they were beating the guys inside. That's because the offensive line footwork was all messed up because they had to deal with their speed. I love that. I love that. that was, see, that's what we were hoping for at the beginning of the season, the dynamic duel. You're talking about two guys right now that have, what, 24 and a half sacks together? I mean, that, that's amazing. I also, you know, uh, you got to give uh, the, the coaches staff a little credit, too, because this was the first game. You know, when we sit back in a zone defense and rushed with four all the time, we get our butt kicked. Mm-hmm. This was the first time today that I saw them with a little bit of a bunch of guys up on the line of scrimmage, not quite sure if they're going to come or go. Uh, you know, I thought that that put a little pressure on them, too. And they went into the ball game and said, we're not going to let this kid just sit back there and throw the ball. So, uh, you know, I think it's got to be the same thing next week. Absolutely. And, and, and don't want to give you want to give some credit to the interior of the, of the defensive front, too. Their ability to push that pocket and those guys are short in the corners to get around those tackles, man, that helped a lot. I mean, uh, Roy Robertson Harris had a good had a good outing. Gossett, when he got in there, he had a good outing. Even uh, Devon Hamilton, when he got in there, when those 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 third downs where they had was rushing and they were pushing that pocket, and you saw you saw Bryce Young not being able to step up and moving out. That helps the defensive ends as well. As, as a defensive coach, I'd like to see a little bit more though uh, with the interior guys of if they can't get there. Work on getting your hands up because, yeah. you know, that's one thing I don't see out of our The guys. jumping, jumping, I knocking see them balls keep, down. I see them keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Sometimes if they don't get there, they got to get up and make some thing, make it a little difficult on the quarterback. Well, the one thing I brought up with Baloo last week when we were in for primetime is you look at this team, right? Everybody's talking about Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk not being there. Zay Jones didn't play. There are still injury issues on the offense defensively today they were as healthy on defense as they've been all year. Mm-hmm. That was the Jaguar defense. They had everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody that you thought was going to be a starter on this team in training camp, they were there today. I mean, that was that was your defense, and it was the best performance of the year in a shutout over Carolina. Now to C.J. Beathard. And listen to what I'm saying, not you guys, but the great fans that are listening to 1010XL right now. In no way, shape, or form am I saying C.J. Beathard is better than Trevor Lawrence. I don't want that going on social media here in a couple of moments. But there were a couple of plays in particular today where Beathard was being chased in the pocket that I thought, you know what? Trevor would have fumbled that ball. Mm. C.J. Beathard didn't. Beathard didn't try to play hero ball. Beathard was very much aware of what he was in there to do. And there was one where I think it was Burns that was chasing Beathard from the backside. 
And Lawrence, to me, is a guy that would have had that ball dangling out, trying to make a play, and I could just see Burns swiping that thing and that being a fumble. Bethard covered that thing up and got to the ground. Mm -hmm. And as a backup quarterback, you don't necessarily need to win the game, but you cannot lose the game. And today's C.J. Bethard coach, I thought, did a brilliant job in not losing the game. Well, he did exactly everything that they wanted him to do. That, that You said it all right there. I don't know what else I can say. I will say one thing, though. You know, looking back during the five-game win streak, their game plan was similar to what Trevor was doing. Everything was quick initially, this and that. And as it went on, everybody was clamoring about getting the ball down the field more, getting this and that. I think that, it, you know, that situation there – is perfect for us, but we got to run it like we did today. Even mm-hmm. though we didn't have a great day until we got the outside runs, yeah. But but you need to get that balance, and I thought that's what they got today. Leon, you're one of the two best offensive tackles that's ever played for this franchise, so you're one of the two guys to ask. Cam Robinson, I'm at the point now where you pay him next year and you have him as your starting left tackle. They are a different offensive line yeah. when Cam Robinson's out there. They're wow. seven and one. When Cam Robinson's there, he brings an attitude, he brings yeah. a moxie, whatever you want to call it. Say what you will about Carolina's 2-13 and 13 record, their defensive front's pretty good. And mm-hmm. Cam Robinson anchored that line. Now he got into it, and he ultimately got ejected <laughs> with Derrick Brown, but that goes hey, into the attitude. The which, which I don't have a problem with. That's probably the toughest thing this offensive line has done all year. Exactly. Absolutely. Perfect. They, they missed Cam Robinson. Absolutely missed him. Listen. Listen, I've been on Cam because I've been on his whole career because what I saw at Alabama and what I saw his rookie year, I thought this guy, this guy was going to shoot for the moons. I thought he was going to go down in the laws of being one of the top three offensive linemen in the history of, of uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. But he kind of mellowed out or whatever, but he's a solid guy. And he was missed when he was hurt. And when he came back, you could tell the offensive line had a little, had a little uh, two-step to it, had a little attitude, had a little swag because he brings that. He brings a moxie, you know. I don't have a problem with him. Listen, I don't have a problem with standing up for your teammate, grabbing the face. Listen, it was Auburn versus Alabama. Don't get no more heated yeah. than that, okay? <laughs> and don't get no more heated than the Iron Bowl. So he rips your, your helmet off. You rip his helmet off. You toss it away. And you call it a day. I have no problem with that. I would have loved to see I him love, and Derek Brown go at it. That would have been all right. Oh, that would have been, 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 been beautiful. But, but I, listen, I, I, you could just tell by the temperament of the offensive line when he was in there that. It's a little bit more aggressive. There's a little bit more attitude. There's a little bit more oomph. Now, me and Coach were texting each other during the game and talking about the interior of the offense line. They got some work to do because the Panthers' defensive front is solid, but in the playoffs, they got some dogs up front. Yeah, and, and our interior of the offensive line gets overwhelmed too often in the run and the pass. I'm not worried about Cam. I'm not worried about Anton Harrison. But their ability to run the ball and protect the passer has got to be a lot better. Now, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. It was an amazing win, but I got to be critical when I see stuff that's right. concerning me moving forward. You got to show up their interior offensive line. Well, the interior of the offensive line struggled again to an extent. But, again, E.T. was a 100-yard rusher. Yeah. I know a lot of that came on the one run. They played Shatley at left guard, which I thought was interesting. And if you go back and listen to Doug Peterson this week, he talked about Ezra Cleveland and Walker Little maybe needing a little rest. Now, they were active, and Walker went in there when Cam got tossed with five minutes to go. But maybe it's because it was Carolina coach. I don't know. But I thought it was good 
that Ezra Cleveland and Walker Little much of the day kind of got a day off getting ready for Tennessee. Well, I think they were both in a situation where they, they weren't going to be 100% going in there. And uh, I think they made a decision with Cam coming back that you could go with somebody at left guard and, and live with it. You know, and Shatley has been there. He's, he's experienced. He's not a great player, obviously, but he's, he's experienced. I think they made the right move there. You know, I, I, you know I've had my uh, negativeness with Cam, too, over the course of mm-hmm. the last few years because I'll tell you what, he reminds me of you, Leon. I'll, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know that he's a, 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 a superstar left tackle, mm-hmm. but he is a, he's a beautiful right tackle to me. He is a tough, physical guy that mm-hmm. has, has uh, you know what, in his neck. Yeah. And, and, it's not as good looking as me. Not as good looking as me. No, I, well, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if know if he's as good as you were. <laughs> oh, but but yeah, I but, know that that's but, the, but, that's the attitude but, you got. Coach, that's the reason why I've been so critical of him over these years because I I see the potential there. Right. I see it, and I, I just wish. Not going. I don't want to say cared enough, but I. I, I don't get comfortable with where you are. And then when you get the money, you become even more comfortable. Right. Because I know what I saw in his rookie year, he was ascending. What I saw at Alabama and what I saw his rookie year at, 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 at Jacksonville, I was like, this kid got some moxie. He got some toughness to it. He could, right. he could be one of the elites. I'm not sure he wanted to be. Yeah. That's what troubled me yeah. about it. Right. Evan Ingram, six grabs, 60 yards today. Becomes only the second Jaguar player ever to surpass 100 catches in a single season. Joining your buddy, your former teammate, Jimmy Smith, Jay who Smooth. did it twice. Mm-hmm. Keenan McCardell never did it. No one's ever done it other than Jimmy until Evan Ingram does it today. Now 104 catches on the year, and I believe that makes Evan Ingram only the eighth or ninth tight end. There's less than 10 mm-hmm. that have done that in the NFL in a wow. single season. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram in some rarefied air with 104 grabs. Well, here's the thing that I know about Evan Ingram when the game goes on. He wants the ball. He demands the ball, especially in critical situations. I love that about him. He wants the ball. I, now I don't get a I don't get a glimpse of the of the the huddle or the sideline or him, maybe him saying anything, but he gets himself in positions to where he wants to make that catch to get that first down, and I, I, I like that about him. I like his moxie. I like the fact that he wants to go get the ball and make a play. I go back to training camp. Ingram was your guy basically oh, yeah. from the start. Well, just when I saw his work ethic, you know, and all the negativeness coming out of the. Uh, New York, you know, oh, yeah. and and uh, I at the at the uh, deal yesterday, I had a conversation with Jay Novacek, and Jay Novacek, one of the super tight ends back in the day, mm-hmm. is the same kind of guy, you know. He and he said that he said, you know, I watch you guys, that Ingram guy, you know, he's kind of like me, ha- you know, half a receiver, half a tight end. He's adequate as a blocker, but mm-hmm. not great. But mm-hmm. as a receiver, he's pretty darn good. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Phone lines are loading up. We'll get to you in just one moment. Again, live from Players Grill in Mandarin on San Jose Boulevard. A victorious New Year's Eve. Jacksonville twenty six, Carolina nothing. Indianapolis won today. Houston won today. So it comes down to Week eighteen for the AFC South, and we'll get to all those scenarios in just a moment. Dave Campo, Travis Etienne, for the first time in a long time, surpasses 100 yards. 62 of it came on one play, but we have been crying, screaming from the mountaintops, run the ball, and they did today, and Etienne had a great game because of it. Well, the two best runs he had was the quick toss and the, and the, uh, the flip. 
you know, get on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. You know, our interior guys, you know, you're going to have to go there to, to slow some guys down, but that's not going to be our game hitting it, you know, up in the guard tackle area. It's gonna, they're going to have to get to the perimeter somehow. And, and Leon, I had to go uh, do a double take. Tank Bigsby, 10 carries. They gave ETN a little bit of a breather, right? Mm-hmm. ETN, 16 carries, but they ran it 35 times. There you go. Finally getting other guys involved. That's what's important. Uh, in, in this month, going into January for the playoffs, you, gotta, you can't be one-dimensional. You've got to be able to run, establish some, some kind of ground game because the last thing you want is a team to stop your, your ability to, to run and they start teeing off on you. you having to pass protect 50, 60 times a game. You don't want that. Want a little bit more balance. You saw that today. It was good to see them get after Hey, it. got but, our franchise quarterback hurt. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm going to tell you right now, it, it, listen, uh, he, had, he's been, he got injured in four different games. They didn't run the ball in any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, maybe they learned their lesson finally because they finally got something done on the ground today. 35 carries for the Jaguars, 155 yards on the ground. 6-4-1-10-10. Let's knock out a couple of calls here in the opening segment. Again, we're with you close to 8 o'clock tonight here on a New Year's Eve, a victory Sunday evening in the city of Jacksonville. Let's go to the north side. Let's get Don in here. On the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Don, what do you got? Hey, good evening, fellas. Uh, uh, thank you for the call. Um, I just want to say, um, you know, uh, Coach Campo was actually agree. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do uh, believe that uh, this TJ Bethard, he did his own um, thing there. And um, that turned to help. I did uh, attend a game. I screamed my lungs out few videos so uh section 215 i do appreciate y'all i try to even start the wave um you know with all that come i did uh criticize trevor as far as the past couple weeks and um honestly uh cj better he didn't disappoint um trevor may be the future but i just think that um there's still a few things as far as mechanics as far as his reads that he needs to uh get better from um, and I definitely thought that uh, C.J. Better did a uh, better part from that. Trevor Lawrence last week turned the ball over three times. Uh, C.J. Better didn't turn over the one. So even if he did receive a sack or whatever the case it may be, um, it wasn't exactly uh, the same performance. And it, to me, it seems like the, the defense rallied around him. And if, um, this is our fan, franchise quarterback. Um, to get paid the big bucks about that. We need him to play about that. I just encourage the fans and everybody else, hold him accountable for it. If he's not playing for it, if he's not playing that same way, then uh, make it that. Uh, at least if he's been hurt and he really is the competitor, then uh, he should be able to uh, show that and uh, make something responsible for the team. So, All right, you know, Don, appreciate the phone call, man. Thank you. Uh, what about that, Coach? When Trevor's on the sideline, First time he's ever been on a sideline. First game he's missed in the NFL. And you see C.J. out there taking what the defense gives you. Now, I don't think that's going to completely change the way Trevor plays. But does a light go off for Trevor when he sees that, okay, I don't need the 30-yard seam route. I can take the five-yard check down and methodically move the ball down the field. Well, I do believe that, that you learn something from being on the sideline. You know, I'm from the old school back in the day when it didn't matter whether you were the first pick or the last pick. A lot of times, you, you, you know, you sat on the sideline because a team had Brett Favre out there or, who, or whoever, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you learn, you know. And uh, I saw Trevor there. He had the game plan in front of him. He's watching what's going on. You know, that's a veteran out there. That, we're still a young football team, especially him. 
you know, and, and I think he can learn some things. I, I think Trevor's Trevor. He's going to do what he thinks he has to do to win the football game, but he certainly can learn from it. Well, that's just like what Coach was saying. That's how we were playing earlier this season when we were winning the ball games. Yeah. We were taking what the defense gave us methodically. I mean, I, at some particular time, we just wanted to become the long ball, and we forgot about the short, the intermediate stuff. It was some of the. I was. I was the Baltimore game where Trevor tried to make a pass. I, I think it was an out route towards the sideline for 15 yards, and Travis ATN was sitting right there five yards. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to take that shot. You can't always go for the big shot. You got to take the little shot. And I, I think that when we were winning the ball games, that's how we were playing. We were playing methodically, solid on defense, not turning the ball over, running the ball. Then we would take our shots here and there. But I, I just, it was good to see us go get back to our winning ways and the way the game plan was called. Yeah, and also, you know, uh, sometimes uh, when you're in the situation that we were in, you know, er, when you're one-dimensional, mm-hmm. the quarterback feels like he has to do it all. You know, whereas Bethard came in with the idea, hey, look, I just, I, you know, I haven't been out here very much. I need mm-hmm. to just take what's there and let my guys do some work. Mm-hmm. Well, and by the way, let's not confuse things either. No Christian Kirk, no Zay Jones. Right. No Jamal Agnew after the midway point of the second quarter. Yeah, didn't have a lot of your guys. You had Ridley, who had 39 yards. You had Ingram, and you had ETN, who had a big day. Your other three main guys, Agnew, Kirk, and Jones, either did not play or did not play more than half the game, and the Jaguars still had over 320 yards of offense. So Bethard was out there with Ridley, Ingram, and the youngsters. Yeah. So it was not exactly. Uh, yeah, he got the ball. He got the ball to the guys he had to get the ball to. Right, which, which is good. <laughs> and and Beathard hadn't started a game, Leon. It had been three years mm-hmm. since C.J. Beathard started a game. And yeah. I got to tell you, I don't know if you need to run and go buy C.J. Beathard jerseys if you're a fan, mm. but I thought for what the Jaguars asked him to do today, I thought it was an A-plus yeah, by C.J. Beathard. Yeah, A-plus game. I was a little concerned because when they started the, the, the telecast of, of the show, of the, the football game, they showed this record as a starter. It yeah, was two and ten. Two and ten. <laughs> I was like, I, that concerned me. Hank. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Concerned me when I saw it. I ain't gonna lie. But now three and ten. Yes, three, so three and ten. Yes. Let's get. Let's go down to Melbourne. Let's get Albert in here on the fifth quarter uh, on ten ten XL. Albert, what do you got? Well, it's actually Steve, not Albert. Uh, Absolutely, I was reading Albert. Well, Keith, what's going on, man? Hey, not too much. Uh, I was so excited for the team. Josh Allen, tip of the hat, you know, breaking the record is now the record holder and also paying homage to Calais with the big swing. Uh, Trayvon got two uh, sacks today together. Those two had 25 and a half sacks for the defense. Defense just made plays today. Uh, offense, CJ uh, just game managed. He, he did what they asked him to do. ETN had a good day. Ingram had a good day. Ridley caught here and there but I mean overall I think it was a good complete game is what we've been wanting and I'm sure Leon can appreciate this Derek Brown tried to start a fight thinking oh this line is off oh no 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 my friend Cam the one on this team with the biggest temper you try to start a fight with he ain't gonna back down from you but otherwise good yeah, Keith, appreciate the phone call, man. It's a good point. And, and, again, that brings to Cam Robinson the attitude that he brings to that offensive line. And, again, Carolina came in here probably feeling pretty good about themselves. They beat Atlanta two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They put 30 on Green Bay last week. Bryce Young had his probably his best game as a pro last week, throwing for 300 yards against Green Bay. Well, that Carolina offense did nothing today. Yeah, no, nothing did. against That's the true. Jaguar it, defense. It did. They did nothing because of, because of our defense. I mean, that Carolina defense was a top-ten defense statistically. 
You know, so they came in. They kept their offense a lot. They gave them, gave them more opportunities, more possessions in the last two games where they beat Atlanta and they beat they beat uh, Green Bay. Well, they, didn't they put 30 on Green Bay? Yeah, they lost they put 30. Green Bay, they put 30, they put 30, 30 on, on. They put 30 on Green Bay. But we neutralized them. We neutralized them. With, we, we stopped the run, and we got out the room with the pass. And we made, we made Bryce Young indecisive on a lot of his throws. A lot of his throws were high and short. He had to roll out a couple of times. He was indecisive on who to get the ball to, when to run, when not to run. So that's what your defense is supposed to do. So we did what we supposed to do on defense, neutralizing their running game, making Bryce Young inadequate as a passer. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Bethel took care of the football, didn't turn the ball over. We ran the ball on the perimeter because that's our strength right now, offensive line, not in the middle, but on the perimeter. And Bethel, did, he dinked and dunked, dinked and dunked. And our special teams, I mean, we kicked four field goals, bro. Yeah. Four field goals is big. They weren't long, but Brandon McManus yeah, made them all. Yeah, but he made them, though. That had been an issue. Yes. Hey, RJ, I'll tell you what. We don't normally do this, but uh, let's knock out the offensive player of the game here on the fifth quarter. We give it to you every week. It is brought to you by our friends at Universal Roof. Let's do it right now. The Universal Roof Offensive Player of the Game. Universal Roof and Contracting presents the Offensive Player of the Game. Universal Roof and Contracting. The difference is universal. Coach, we mentioned Travis Etienne, a couple of touchdowns, 100 yards rushing. Had to feel good for that young man. He wasn't getting the ball a lot, wasn't producing because, quite frankly, the offensive line wasn't doing great in front of him. But Travis Etienne had a terrific game today, and he is your offensive player of the game. I'll tell you what, he's sneaky fast. You know, when he got uh, you know out on the perimeter on that first one, the, the long run, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought they had him. And, and all of a sudden, he accelerated. After he broke the one tackle, he accelerated. He saw he had a chance to get down that sideline. And then I was really happy for him on the sideline, watching him laughing and smiling a little bit after he scored the touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, confidence, guys, you know, is so important. That's why this game is, was so important. Not only does it keep us in it, but it's a confidence builder. And, and that's what I'm happy for ETN. He had a good ball game. Let's head to Buffalo. Let's get our guy, Junior. In here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Junior, what's going on? Hey, gentlemen, how you guys doing? Great to talk to you on a victory Sunday. And I'm glad the Jaguars finished 2023 with a win and not a loss because that would have been, that would have been bad. But um, you guys said a lot. Um, this defense today, I was worried about it, but they came out on fire and to put a shutout. Because, again, that's like you guys said, it's hard with any NFL team to put a shutout. I don't care what your record is. When you can shut out a team, you're doing something good. And this defense did it. Like you said, they're all healthy. They're all out there. They're doing their job, and they got it done. Offense just had to do what they had to get done today, and that was awesome. Then, like the Bufford, it, I was worried about him, but he just played with his ability and took like it with the defense, gave him, and we won this game. We just got to take this attitude of, of the game experience from today and take it next week when we go to Tennessee because you know how much we can't stand Tennessee, and I love to punch Tennessee one more time in the mouth so we can get this AFC Central back-to-back because it hasn't happened since in 98 and 99, and I want it to happen one more time. Thank you, uh, take care, guys. Hey, Junior, hey, happy appreciate New Year. it. Yeah, happy right. New Year to you. Carolina hadn't been shut out since I was in high school. Yeah. 2002 was the last mm. time the Carolina Panthers had been shut out. It was like 300 and 
46 games or hey, something. Wow. You, were, you were high school in 2002? I was in high school in 2002. I was I a senior, but I was in high school. I retired in 2002. Well, and yeah. I was a head coach of the Cowboys. <laughs> you were going 5-11, and 11, right? What, <laughs> yeah, what are, what are exactly. Your, one of the 5-11 and 11 seasons. <laughs> yeah. um, quickly, let's kind of lay it out for next week. Okay. We don't know the times yet. We don't even know the day, but I imagine it's going to be Sunday. The Jaguars play Tennessee. This is as simple as I can make it. If Jacksonville wins the game, they win the AFC South. It does not matter what anybody else does. Jacksonville beats Tennessee, they win the division. If Jacksonville loses to Tennessee, they lose the division. Again, that's as simple as you can make it. Now, if Jacksonville loses to Tennessee, there are ways that Jacksonville could get into the postseason, although those ways may not work in the next hour or two because if Cincinnati wins this game – that's going to take the wild card possibility for the Jaguars away with a loss to Tennessee because mm. Cincinnati has the tiebreaker over us. So as happy as we are now, gentlemen, yeah. next week is division champion or most likely your season is over. Yeah, we, we don't win this game without Trevor, though. I don't think so. I don't think Beathard and our inability to run. Now, we got lucky. That, and I ain't going to say lucky. Travis ATN had an outstanding game. But this defensive front is in no comparison to that defense front against Tennessee Titans especially with Jeffrey Simmons in the middle. I mean, now Simmons is out. Simmons is out. He's, oh. he's gone. Yeah. Oh. He's gone. Yeah. He's little, on IR. I feel a little better now. Oh. Yeah. All right. I, I grabbed my, grab my chest just now. <laughs> uh, okay. He out there. Okay. Then we got a shot there. Okay. I'm not bad. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. And, Coach, I don't know if you watched the Tennessee-Houston game. Oh. I was keeping track of it on Red Zone. I don't know if there was a team in the NFL that did not care any less about what they were doing today yeah. than the Tennessee Titans. Right. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Houston beat them 26-3, and quite frankly, it wasn't that close. Now, one of two things is going to happen. They're, they're playing out their stretch. They're going to be on vacation a week from tomorrow. Are they going to circle the wagons to try to ruin Jacksonville's season, or have those guys just completely mailed it in? Because today was pathetic by the Tennessee Titans. Well, I look at the game exactly like the one I looked at today. I felt like, you know, when you're struggling a little bit, uh, you want to get off to a fast start. If you're struggling a little bit on defense, you want to get off to a fast start. And so I think it's going to be really important for us to get a, a start. Those Mayo Eaters over there do not like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. If they get something going early and get a little mm. bit of moxie going, they'll play. Oh, they'd love I, to, I ruin, our play. Se- they'd love to yeah, ruin our season. I think they'll play. But if you get a little bit of a, a jump on them like we did today, got nine points on, on uh, Carolina, mm-hmm. even though Carolina was playing decent to force the field goals, just the idea that there they are sitting there at nine and zero is, is a factor. Let's go to the south side here on the fifth quarter on 10-10XL. Let's get Jim. Jim, what's going on? Hey, uh, how you doing? First, Hacker, just a, a quick thing about uh, – you do such a great job on the Friday night high school year after year. I just want to thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Jim. I appreciate that, buddy. Yeah, my guess is Houston and Indy are going to play on Saturday and the Jaguars will play on Sunday. And great win for them today. But I wanted to ask the coach, uh, just getting off the subject a little bit, that Detroit Lion official situation yesterday with the two-point as the coach, have you ever seen anything like that as an assistant or head coach in your career? I just think that was horrible. No, no. Uh, obviously, the officials have taken a big-time beating this year in the NFL. There's been a lot of situations uh, that, you know, and again, 
you know, sometimes we don't see what they see. But the thing is that there's been so much controversy about uh, almost every game. There's something that looks like it should be one thing or another. And there's been a number of times where the officials will come out and say, hey, we didn't, you know, we didn't, we made a mistake here or whatever. Unfortunately, that's what the team gets. You know, they lose the game, they turn the thing in, and they send back, well, you know, we blew that one, but there's nothing we can do about it. The game's over. Well, that's the issue last night. The, uh, not only is the NFL, the officials last night, not doing that, they're doubling and tripling down saying, oh, 70 reported, it wasn't 68. That's bogus. Yeah, because we saw it right we, on film. There's video of it. So, I mean, the, one of the worst things that ever happened in sports, it's a different sport, was when that perfect game for Armando Galarraga was, was missed because Jim Joyce, the umpire, butchered the call. Yeah, that's right. And why that. did that get put to bed so quickly? Because Jim Joyce, that umpire, saw that videotape immediately, had with tears in his eyes, came into the press conference and says, I botched the call. I took a perfect game away from that kid. And it turned into kind of a heartwarming story. Right, right. It still sucked that Galarraga's perfect game was gone, but you kind of felt bad for Jim Joyce in the moment. When these officials get something as blatantly wrong as they did last night against the Detroit Lions – and then they double and triple down on it afterwards. Now you're just making people mad. Well, it's you're trans- trying to save face, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's transparency. It's the same thing you feel like when a coach goes out and says, "Hey, look, I'd do that over again." When you know darn good well that you wouldn't have done that if if if, if you thought about it for any length of time. Did you ever have to report as eligible? Did you ever do that? Mm, no, I had no I mean, hands. What is the protocol? He had no though? hands. I had no hands. You had no hands? Well, I, had oh, hands hell no. I had hands to hit you. <laughs> yeah, but you not had the catch. punch. Yeah, not the not But, the I mean, you're, you're an offensive tackle. I'm yeah. sure you know what to do. What do you have yeah. to do? Well, I mean, uh, you, you have to go to the official because on the sideline, you're told. You're told what to do. You're, the head coach and the assistant coach tell you, hey, make sure you go to the ref and report. Tell them your name and your number. That's what, that's here's, what you, hey, I'm Leon Searcy. Hey, I'm eligible. Hey, 72 yeah. eligible. Hey, I'm 72. I'm eligible, ref. You good? All right. And that's go. it. That's it. Wow. It looks like, that's what Decker looked like he did last night. And, and the NFL is saying that's not what happened. And I think that makes them look really bad in this whole situation. And another thing that, 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 that troubles me about the NFL is that I, I saw Jared Goff on his presser. And he said, you know, I might get in trouble for this. Because they don't want you speaking out against the referees. And they'll find you. Yeah. yeah. Even when they know they're wrong and you express your, your, distaste, your, 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 your distaste for what happened, they'll find you for saying something detrimental to the referees when they know in the referees are doggone wrong. He is the Pro Bowler, Leon Searcy. That's the head coach, Dave Campo. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. It's the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. Of course, all phone calls tonight are on the all-pro roofing phone line, and we're live. Players Grill in Mandarin, 10140 San Jose Boulevard. Delicious chicken, burgers, wraps. I'm a big fan of the poppers, Leon. I know you love the fried pickles. Players Grill has been an institution in the Miramar area, and they've expanded. They're in Mandarin now. They're in Oakleaf. they got other locations opening up. We're big fans of the Players Grill, and we certainly appreciate them having us out here in Mandarin tonight on a New Year's Eve. 26 nothing, Jacksonville over Carolina. Your phone calls next. Fifth quarter rolls on. 10-10-XL, 92.5 FM. 
putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Mandarin presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Young rambles to the right now looking downfield, still looking out points downfield. That ball's tipped and it's picked off. Antonio Johnson's running it back. He's got it into Panthers territory, 40-yard line, inside the 40, a takeaway by the Jaguar rookie, Antonio Johnson. Frank Franchi on the call, Jaguars radio, Antonio Johnson with the interception, the turnover forced by the Jaguar defense. They did not allow a single point, shutting out the Carolina Panthers today, 26 to nothing. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a defensive player of the game. That defensive player of the game is brought to you by our friends at Superior Fence and Rail. RJ, let's do it now. The Superior Fence and Rail defensive player of the game. Jacksonville's building a fence along the goal line. This is the Superior Fence and Rail defensive player of the game. Superior Fence and Rail, where quality matters. Leon, you and I have been doing the fifth quarter for a while. Coach, this is year two for you. We're trendsetters here on the fifth quarter. And i got to be honest, in the decade that I've done this, I'm not sure if we've ever had co-defensive players of the game. This is an emotional moment for me. It is. But i got to tell you, we couldn't choose between Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen because they were both fantastic. When you combine for five sacks, Allen with three, Trayvon Walker with two, I believe now 25 and a half sacks is the number that they share on the season. Absolutely dynamic both guys, and as a result, I believe for the first time ever in fifth quarter history, mark it down, co-defensive players of the game in Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. Nice. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. I'm not going to lie to you. Before the season started, uh, a colleague of mine, a teammate of mine, a Hall of Famer of mine, a friend of mine, Tony Basoli said that he felt that both of these guys collectively was going to have 25 sacks. I I laughed at him. I thought Tony had been sipping on some wine. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even (laughs) laugh. But he called it, man. He called it. These These guys, especially today, they, they got down. They got busy. I mean, they put pressure on this guy. They were, they kept constant pressure on him. I mean, the, the, the way – I always tell you, if you're a defensive player, the way to get the, get the lineman, get him off his spot. Offensive linemen like to be on their spot. And they got him off their spot. They beat him around the corner. They beat him inside. I, I, I like, the, play, I like the, the arrangement of pass rushes that they right. gave the two tackles. I mean, that's what you want to see when you, in your dual rush ends. Um, you want to see them be disruptive, and they were the last majority of the game. Coach, there's no doubt that there was some pressure coming on both coordinators entering today, both Press Taylor and Mike Caldwell. Your analysis of how both guys performed? Well, I think they did a good job today. I I think on the offensive side of the ball, they were pretty balanced, and I think that's the key to the whole thing. And, uh, you know, when when I talk about balance, I don't know offensive football other than playing against it. And that's what I'm talking about. If the if it's if it's balanced on offense, I got a problem because I I'm not making calls based on 100%. I know what they're going to do. <clears throat> so I thought they did that on the defensive side of the ball. Like I mentioned earlier, I I thought really uh, hacked that uh, this was the first time I really thought I saw a bunch of different things without a lot of mistakes. You know, I, I really felt that they put the pressure on him. They made a decision that this guy was going to have to execute, and, and they did it. And, uh, and let me tell you something about Walker. 
put him on the guard a few more times. Yeah. You're going to see a few more sacks, too. Because when he comes inside on the guard, and I don't, I don't mean just lined up there, but moving on the guard on some of those pressures, they can't handle him. Coach, well, well, I'm, why did it take him so long to figure out that to move this guy entirely, that he's a mismatch for those guards? Because he was struggling outside. Yes. He was struggling outside with the bull rush and standing yep. up too hard. But he, when, he get into, when he gets inside all these guards yeah. who may not be as athletic as he is, yep. I mean, you saw that today. I yeah. mean, he beat around the corners with yeah, he, bull rush and hand slaps and everything. No, but I, I think he's really improving. I mm-hmm. mean, I really think that he's getting off the ball better than – although on the, on the one long pass – they didn't get lined up. You remember that yeah, one? I remember they, that. <laughs> he was he was standing up in the middle of the line of scrimmage when the ball was snapped. So you know they got to clean that up. But mm-hmm. uh, I really think they're doing a few more things there, and and uh, uh, I'm excited about both of those guys. I mean, I think they're both good pass rushers when it's all said and done. And I watched uh, Hutchison last night quite a few times, and the difference is he's a little bit more quick twitch than than uh, Walker is. But he can't handle the run game or or just a flat bull rush on a guy mm-hmm. like Walker can. Yeah, there were a lot of people last night on social media giving Trayvon Walker grief because Hutchinson had such a good game. Well, Trayvon said, all right, well, here we go. I'll get a couple of sacks myself on Sunday. And I think, like, Aiden Hutchinson has nine and a half sacks on the year, and I think Trayvon Walker's at nine right, right yeah. now. Their, their sack numbers are very similar. Bro, but, but believe it or not, if you're a competitor, you, you watch that kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong. When I was with the Steelers, and I would watch the Cowboys, and if they came on before us and Eric Wynn was the right tackle playing with the Cowboys, I want to go out and play better than Eric Williams. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, throughout those years in the 90s, you know, the, the, the better right tackles were Eric Williams, me, Will Anderson, right. Runyon, and all that kind of stuff. So if I saw, I saw my competition playing like before me or something like that, I absolutely want to come out the next game and, and showcase my talent as well, especially if he had a good game. Six four one ten ten is the phone <clears throat> number. If you want to get involved, you are more than welcome to do so. Phone lines open back up in less than two minutes. I will tell you there are a couple of games right now that directly affect the Jaguars. Now, you look at the playoff picture. Kansas City is, I believe, a division champion today based on everything that's gone on. So Kansas City's in. Uh, we already know Baltimore has clinched home field. We know Miami is in, and we know Cleveland is in. Four of the spots mm-hmm. have already been taken. Buffalo is all but in. Uh, they're actually playing. In fact, Buffalo might have clinched today, actually. I think they're going to be in. Um, they're playing for the division next week. So five of the seven spots are gone, including two of the wild cards. The only two spots that are left are the AFC South division and the last wild card. Now, I'm going to try to make this as uncomplicated as possible. Jaguars win against Tennessee next week. They're division champions. They host a playoff game. Done. Jaguars lose next week. They're probably not getting into the playoffs, and here's why. Kansas City needs to beat Cincinnati right now. We're actually rooting for the Chiefs in this game because Cincinnati has the tiebreaker over the Jaguars. Cincinnati, with a win today, would get to nine, which means the Jaguars could not catch them if they lose to Tennessee next week. Pittsburgh is at eight wins. They're currently beating Seattle we cannot let Pittsburgh get to 10. We have the tiebreaker over them, but if they get to 10, they would be in over us, and they're going to play a Baltimore team next week that's probably going to rest all their starters because Baltimore has nothing to play for next week. They've already wrapped up home field. So, again, to put, summarize all that in as simple a terms as possible, root for Seattle and root for Kansas City in the next 30 minutes uh, because you need both of those teams to win 
to open up wild card possibilities for the Jaguars in the event they lose to the Titans on Sunday. I don't want nobody helping me. Yeah, you know? that's, you don't want I would like to have – you know what? Exactly. There, there, I, would, I like one door to be able to go in through to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would like maybe two or three nah. possibilities. But, again, that, that all might be moot here if Cincinnati well, beats KC and if Pittsburgh beats Seattle. Well, hey, listen, when you, go in, when you go into the season, your ultimate goal is to win your division. And the Jaguars, they beat Tennessee, who's a rival, who sucks and stinks, and we despise them. No better place than to go in their house and celebrate that uh, AFC South division in their house. And I'll tell you this, uh, if they don't beat Tennessee, they don't they shouldn't they don't, they be don't in the deserve playoffs. to go. I, I agree. Tennessee is a downtrodden team. That was a bad performance today by the Titans. Will Levis got hurt, by the way. Mm-hmm. Tannehill <laughs> finished that game, so we'll have to see his status. If you're Tennessee at this point, and Levis has gotten hurt twice in the last month. I don't know necessarily why you would play him next week. Right. So I would have to think it's going to be Tannehill next week, but we'll see. Six four one ten ten to the state of Alabama we go. Let's get Jonathan in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Jonathan, Happy New Year's. How are you? Happy New Year to you guys, too. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jacksonville played really well all around. Offense, defense, special teams. I thought uh, – D.J. Beathard looked good, and what I didn't like was Cam going after Derek Brown with the helmet thing. That you got to have some composure with that. I mean, that was ridiculous. Jonathan, appreciate the phone call. No, I res- respectfully disagree. I agree. Uh, Derek Brown was looking for a fight. Derek Brown wouldn't let go of Cam's face mask, and I don't blame Cam Robinson at all. The one thing I was worried about is Cam's got a temper, and I'm just saying, please don't throw fists because I don't want any issue with you playing next week. Uh, I didn't want any suspension going into next week, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, listen, I don't have an issue with what he did. He he came up and he was protecting his teammate, and Derrick Brown got a little, you know, he started it. Mm -hmm. He grabbed his face mask and knocked it off. So he he kindly and gently grabbed his and snatched his off and threw it across the field. The only problem I have with this is that it's going to cost him a game check because when you get suspended, it's going to cost you a game check. Well, no, I hope he doesn't get suspended. No, he's not going to get suspended. No, I mean, he got kicked out the game. He's out of the game. So he's good for next week, but it's going to cost him a game check. The the principle of what Jonathan just said is correct. Yeah. But the the actual, the way we've been playing – we needed a little spark, in mm-hmm. my opinion. The game was over, by the way. Yeah, the game when was it, over. When it, yeah, when yeah, it happened. Yeah. You know, it now, was over. Now, if he over. did it, and we, if we did it, and it was a close game in the fourth quarter, yeah, no, yeah. that's a different that's a different story. story. Absolutely. Exactly. No, but I, I actually applaud Cam Robinson for doing that. That's what this offensive line needs. This O-line have been getting pushed around right. for the last exactly. month. They were awful. They Cam were. Robinson comes back in, and all of a sudden, the 100-yard rusher, well, a little, you know, venom to him. I like that. Yeah, well, what he he was sending a message that, I mean, because I'm sure going into this game, if you're the defense, if you're the defense line coach, defense coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, and you're looking at this offensive line and they can't run the ball, they can't protect, you're basically saying, oh, this team is soft. You can push them around. You can talk to them. You can so Cam came in there and kind of said, hey, listen, the bully's back. I don't care what you used to do us in the past, that stops here in the day. And I like that kind of attitude right. because this team over the last four weeks have been being pushed around. And they wouldn't push back, and that 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 disturbed me. You know me, my mantle of toughness. <laughs> now let me ask. Can't coach. even get it out, coach. I'm so irate. You're ready to play today. exactly. Let's go out. Let's go Jeez. out and find somebody to play against. Let me ask both you guys this. All right, four game losing streak. Sky was falling. Eight and three at eight and seven. You go out today and you absolutely beat the crap out of the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. 
good feelings returned? Is one game correct what well, happened the last month? Well, here, here's the thing. No, one game doesn't correct what happened all month, but the, the most the thing that happens is that this team see when you watch on film and you watch yourself making plays, it's encouraging because over the last four weeks – you haven't been making plays. And so it's good to, in that film room when you see yourself making tackles and getting sacks and causing interceptions or blocking and getting these runs. It encourages you. It gives you that little confidence because you know. Because for the last month or so, I mean, this team has been – everybody's talked about how bad this team has been. So it gives you a little confidence when they see yourself making plays. Well, Kansas City, a long play there. It's late in the third. They're down one to Cincinnati. Again, I know the Chiefs winning eliminates the three seed for the Jaguars, but, Coach, I'm fine with that. Uh, a Kansas City win right now would be good for the Jaguars to open up another wild card possibility. What about a win today, maybe curing some things over the last four weeks, good feelings returning well, yeah, to I, that I Jaguar think, locker room? I, th- I think uh, Leon said it all. You know, uh, confidence is important, and, you know, you're supposed to be peaking at this particular time right now. And we weren't peaking. We were sinking. And you need to get the, get the good feeling because they know now their backs are against the wall. They have to win this weekend. I guarantee you that there's no thought about wild card going on in that locker room. Yeah, I'll be curious when the video comes out. They always do Doug Peterson's you know, message to the team. Mm-hmm. I doubt there'll be a lot of celebration. Yeah. They know Indy won. Absolutely. They know Houston yeah. won. And they know they're basically hey. in the playoffs already and they have to win on Sunday. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing they used to do when I was at Pittsburgh. And this old school, when you were winning and you woke up in the morning and you came to the office after a win, you had donuts and coffee in the locker room. I mean, just a whole plethora. When you were losing, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Let's head to Springfield. Let's get John in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. John, what's going on? What's good, fellas? Happy New Year. Hey, buddy. Year. Same to Thank you, man. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going to make this real quick. So, listen, why can't we be a football team? that played the way that we did today. I understand Carolina's not a good team, but just with the, uh, with the, with the stops on defense and the sacks and running the freaking football, why can't we be that team? And then you sprinkle some Trevor Lawrence on there without all the picks. I'm like, Trevor, if you could just control the ball and keep the ball without turning it over, we could be this team every week. What's your thought? Well, my thought is, appreciate the phone call, it's a week-to-week league, Leon. I mean, that's the the bottom line. Tampa Bay looked like the greatest show on turf against us last week. They couldn't get out of their own way against New Orleans today. Uh, Bryce Young put 300 on Green Bay last week, uh, 300 yards passing. He looked awful here in Jacksonville. It's You want to talk about every week with the parody, it is a week-to-week league. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to what Coach said about Trevor Lawrence being on the sideline. Trevor Lawrence on, being on the sideline, seeing Beathard, not turn the ball over, not not press the issue, run the ball, move the chains, taking the dinks and dunks, not always try. I, I think that might be good for Trevor. It might be good, the, the, the game plan for him. Because if he sees the way our defense plays, the, our defense play the way they play, and we take care of the football and we run the ball, and what, Ingram had what, six catches for 60 yards in the, in the game? He, he got himself over. Trevor has to – he has to give – sometimes he wants to dictate the throw – and sometimes you just got to take what the defense gives you. So being on the sideline, if, he, if he's watching this game and say, okay, you know, it could, be a, it could be a learning experience for him moving forward. If, if he plays next week, take care of the football, 
you know, take what the defense gives you, play sound, solid defense, run the ball. That's how you win football games. Sometimes you got to see it from the outside because sometimes when you're on the inside, you know, I think on being on the outside looking in might have been good for Trevor. It's got to give him confidence, too. Again, Trevor Lawrence was <clears throat> ruled out on Friday. It wasn't a game-time decision. He was ruled out 48 hours before the game. Who knows what his status will be this week, but heaven forbid if he can't play again, obviously the Jaguars now will have confidence in what C.J. Beathard can do. Yes, sir. And uh, I think that's what the backup quarterback is all about. You know, that's he's got to come in there and, and show that he can, uh, you know, handle the captain of the ship. Uh, I think, you know, uh, that injury that Trevor got's not a something to poo-poo now. You know, when you hurt your AC joint, it mm-hmm. hurts to throw. And, uh, you know, again, I hope, I'm hopeful he's going to play next week. But if I'm sitting here, I'm going, hey, uh, the guy showed us what he can do in there. He's got to do the same thing next week. It is the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. The All-Pro Roofing phone line, 641-1010. And, again, Players Grill Mandarin, a home game for me, 10140 San Jose Boulevard. If you want burgers, if you want chicken, you want wraps, you want delicious appetizers, jalapeno poppers, fried pickles, you name it, they got it. They're an institution. They've been to the Miramar location forever. They're in Oak Leaf now. They're right here in Mandarin, in the heart of Mandarin on San Jose Boulevard. We love the Players Grill, our home for the fifth quarter here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. More of your phone calls at 641-1010. We will keep you updated on Kansas City, Cincinnati, the Chiefs actually kicking a field goal to take the lead uh, late, in, or I guess early in the fourth quarter. Pittsburgh about to go up two scores on Seattle. That's not good for Jacksonville. We'll keep you updated. Coming up next, more of your phone calls. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Bringing you an extra quarter of football. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Mandarin. Presented by Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics and Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen on 1010XL. Toss to the right to Travis Etienne. Got a little bit of a block. 40, 45, pull on the right side, lot 40, 35, 30, 25. Travis Etienne still on his feet. Travis Etienne to the goal line. Touchdown! Travis Etienne, an explosive run in the first touchdown of the game for the Jaguars. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars radio, 62 yards for Travis Etienne in a 26-0 Jaguar victory today over the Carolina Panthers. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a play of the game. That play of the game is brought to you by our friends at Performance Painting. RJ, let's do it now, the Performance Painting play of the game. Now, the performance painting, high-performance play of the game. Performance painting, prepare, protect, preserve. And Coach Campo, it is the 62-yard touchdown by Travis Etienne. Had to feel good for the entire offense. They haven't had a home run like that in quite some time, but they did get one finally today. Yeah, and and the the best thing about that was that that was the first touch in the second half. And and Mm -hmm. the one thing that uh, Doug said at halftime when they had the interview was we need to score a touchdown in this half. And that kind of put a, a little uh, exclamation <clears throat> point on what was happening during the game, and then it just continued. It just snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. Leon mentioned this earlier. Um, Brandon McManus 
quite frankly, had been bad in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, he did not have a long kick today, but he had six kicks and he made them all. Yeah. Two extra points and four right. field goals. It's got to feel good for Brandon McManus to get his confidence back up. The key is to make them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Whether no they're question. 20 yards or 60 yards, mm-hmm. just make them. You know, kicking is just I, – I, I, uh, I was talking to Jordan Spieth one time, and he's a big Dallas Cowboy fan. And, and we were talking – his best friend was a kicker for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And they were talking. They were standing there while I was on the sidelines, and they said, you know, we, we do the same thing. It's exactly the same. The problem is – if you miss two, three, four in a row, then all of a sudden you start tinkering with your kick, right? Well, the guys that can rally from that are the guys that can keep going, and they were in the league for a long time. The guy's been in the league for a long time. I'm sure he's been in situations where, mm-hmm. you know, the swing wasn't quite there. Jordan Spieth has to do it every year. Yeah, yeah it's repetitious, repetitious, repetitious. I'm not saying this ever happened to you. Because obviously this never happened to you. You were a pro bowler and one of the best tackles in Jaguar history. But I'm sure you've talked to guys this has happened to. If you're a Quano or you're Moten, the two Carolina offensive mm-hmm. tackles, and Trayvon and Josh just got you. They got you today. I mean, what are what are Aquano and Moten thinking in the second half when they just can't block 44 and 41? Well, first of all, it has happened to me. My first year started and I got smoked. I got like a pack of cool. Oh, the dude beat you for three uh, of them. Yeah, Will, Will, William Fuller. William, William Fuller, Fuller, yes, yeah. absolutely. William <laughs> Fuller got me really good. All right, so when when here's the thing, you get in stress mode. All right, you 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 get in stress mode because you you're getting embarrassed, quite frankly, and your offensive line coach is telling you to do something, whatever. I always had this. I had I've always had this notion that you live and die by your technique. If he beats you, he beats you. But if you if you got a set technique and what you you, I call it an art. You gotta live and die by. I, I think that I think Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen put the, these guys in predicaments to where, first and foremost, their feet are not that good. And I, I watched it. Their feet are not that good. And then, second of all, they don't use their hands. So that's even that's even worse. And then I have a, a lot of times when they give you double moves, they get they get top heavy instead of sinking down. So so Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen are watching that on film, and guess what they're doing. They're, 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 they're rushing to get those guys off their spots and get them in situations where they can get around them. Because a lot of those plays that where they got around them and on the edge or they beat them inside is because they're top-happy and their feet aren't that good. And then you got the noise and you got the silent count. All that stuff factors into them having success on both of them. Coach, would you say that Josh Allen now is in the conversation with the Bosas and the Watts and, and you know, you name them, the – Trey Hendrickson's, Daniil Hunter's. Is he on the short list of the best pass rushers in the NFL? I think he, he needs another year, a back-to-back year, mm-hmm. because he had the good years of rookie, and then he really has been, you know, everybody's been on his case for three years or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, he put a great year together this year. Uh, we're going to pay him. We're not going to let him out of here. Mm-hmm. I don't believe. I, I hope we don't. And then next year is going to be a real – factor if he if he puts together another year you're going to say hey this guy's one of the best in the league yeah because i mean the the, the narrative is that it's his, your contract year is always your best year. yeah right. all right your contract year that's the year Jawan taylor last year <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that was his best year you yeah. get paid on the, now to to negate all of that is that you come back next year like coach says and you give us 16 again oh now you now you're considered one of the elites you have, if you've got back-to-back 16 sack seasons and you're consistently pass rushing, stopping the run, you know, 
the best compliment any 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 pass rusher can tell you is that when the offensive coordinator comes in the meeting room, he says, "We got to stop that guy." And, and and I've been I've been in coordinator rooms. I've been in coordinator rooms with the Steelers, and I've been in coordinator rooms with the, with the Jaguars, where there were guys on certain teams that says, "Okay, like with the Jaguars, okay, Ray Lewis, yeah, he, you got to stop that guy." Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Or, uh, you know, when the, the Bald Ravens, McCrary, Michael and, McCrary. and, and um, Rob Burnett. So, I mean, that's the best compliment any team can give you if the coordinator comes in there and he starts the film session and say, hey, if we don't block these guys, we don't win. Yeah, Josh Allen is doing that. Again, 16, I think 16 and a half is the official number. He has now set the single-season Jaguar record for sacks. He passed Calais Campbell for that mark earlier today. 641-1010 is the phone number. We're with you for about another 45 minutes or so here on a New Year's Eve edition of the fifth quarter. Let's go to the south side as we go back to the phone lines at 641-1010. Let's get Dean in here on 1010XL. Dean, what's going on? Uh, good evening. I'd like to, uh, to uh, ask uh, Coach Campo the uh, ceremony with uh, Jimmy Johnson last night in Dallas. Does he think that was a reconciliation finally after uh, Jerry Jones realized that the only coach that ever went for him was Jimmy Johnson because they haven't been to the Super Bowl since uh, the 95 season. You know, it's almost 30 years. And last time, the last time the Cowboys were in the Super Bowls, they were playing it at uh, the old uh, Sun Devil Stadium where the Arizona State plays. So it's been, you know, like I say, we're coming up on 30 years. You think that was finally an admission of uh, Jimmy Johnson that Jerry Jones is, uh, or uh, Jerry Jones is the only winning coach with Jimmy Johnson? Right, Dean, thank you for the phone call. Well, uh, to answer that question quickly, uh, because we are talking about the Jaguars here, but uh, I, I, I believe that that it was they they have gotten together prior to this. I think this was the recognition Jerry gave Jimmy for what he deserved, and that's equal footing on how what happened in those years during the nineties. So. You know, to me, uh, it was, you know, when we, they first got there, they talked every single day about everything. And and then it kind of slid away from that. Uh, now, uh, I think that was kind of the, the, the final thing that, hey, it was us. That's that's what it says. It was us that, that turned this thing around. When you look at the NFC playoff picture, again, we're going to spend a lot of time on the AFC playoff picture once these two games go final, assuming we're still on, we should be about 40 minutes to go here in the fifth quarter. But when you look at the NFC playoff picture right now, all right, um, San Francisco, I believe, has home field throughout because Philadelphia lost today. Philadelphia is in free fall. The Eagles got problems. They've lost, what, four out of five? It's yep. ridiculous what's going on. Arizona goes in there today and beats them. So let's look at the NFC really quick. If the playoffs started right now, at 6.55 Eastern Standard Time here on December uh, the 31st. Your NFC first-round matchups would look like this. San Francisco, the number one seed, they have a bye. Dallas would be the two. Dallas controls their destiny with Philadelphia struggling down the stretch. As of right now, Seattle would go to Dallas, although that's up in question because Seattle's down seven to Pittsburgh as we speak. Detroit would be the three. The Rams, boy, what a job Sean McVay has done there. The Rams would go to Detroit in the 6-3 matchup, and Tampa is currently leading the NFC South. They would host the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, Philadelphia was the one seed coming into today. They are now currently the five seed based on tiebreakers. Leon, what's wrong with Philadelphia? 
Well, I think defensively. Defensively, they, they're, they're struggling a little bit defensively. Uh, I think this team a year ago got after it. They had they, they were, what, leading the NFL in sacks. I think the back end of their defense, their secondary, maybe isn't, isn't, isn't as good as it was last year. They couldn't but, stop but, Kyler Murray. Today. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, your, your sack totals and the back end of your defense are kind of – they coincide. They live and eat off of each other. And they're not doing it – they're not getting the pass rush. And they're not covering well. So teams are taking advantage of that. So I think that's the major reason why they're slippage. Coach, you saw Dallas and Detroit last night, a great game. We may see a rematch in a couple of weeks. Does Dallas or Detroit have anything for San Francisco in the postseason? I think both of those teams are pretty complete, to be honest with you. You know, if you put those three into a a round robin, Mm -hmm. I don't think – any of the three would win them all with every game, okay? I, what I'm saying is if they played each other twice in a, in a little deal, mm-hmm. I think all of them would win a game. So I think, you know, they're complete teams over there, but it's you, you've, seen the, you've seen the Cowboys get blown out. Mm-hmm. You've seen Detroit get blown out, and you've seen San Francisco get blown out. The only team that really hasn't gotten blown out, although uh, I, I, I'm not sure of that. I'm not 100%, but the Ravens have – have kind of – I'm not sure if – No, they, they haven't gotten blown out. No, they lost they, a close game to they Pittsburgh. They lost yeah. quarter games. Yeah. See, end. I think yeah. the Ravens are the best team in, in football mm-hmm. right now. The way that quarterback is playing, yeah. you know, he, he's a championship caliber guy. But uh, but anyway, uh, I think that uh, all all three of those teams have enough to make a run at it, in my opinion, on the, in the NFC. I'm getting way ahead of the story here. Miami – that was awful today. They lost to Baltimore by by almost 40. It was 56-19. Yeah. Miami's a fraud outside of South Florida. They can't win a game outside of South Florida. And they've only won one game this year against a good team, and that was beating Dallas last week. If Jacksonville wins next week to get the four seed, all right, I'm going to be rooting like heck for Miami to beat Buffalo because I want Miami to be the two and I want Buffalo to be the six because the absolute perfect scenario – would be Jacksonville to be the four and to play Cleveland, and assuming they beat Cleveland, which mm-hmm. is a, an assumption, but I'm going to go with it. And if Buffalo were to knock off Kansas City in the 6-3, that means Buffalo would then go to Baltimore. Jacksonville would go to Miami. So Jacksonville potentially in that scenario would only have to play one of Kansas City, Buffalo, or Baltimore if they were to go to South Florida and pull off the upset. Yeah. To me, that is the absolute best-case scenario. Yeah. Yeah, except Now, will Miami beat Buffalo next week is a, is a separate issue. Well, yeah. the, well, the fact that Flacco's playing pretty good, I, I want that 4-5 is going to be tough. Flacco is playing pretty good, although, look, he can't possibly keep going at this rate. Really? I, no. A man, a man who led a team to a Super Bowl championship can't possibly get in the playoffs and take his <laughs> team to another Super Bowl. With a, well, not a team he's been with for four weeks. I, I'm just saying. I, I mean, Luster comes off very quickly at times. And and the thing with Flacco, Jacksonville, and again, I'm, I'm never a positive guy, but I guess I'll have to be for this argument. Jacksonville played awful in that game against Cleveland. Awful. Mm. Well, they have four turnovers. And Joku fair caught two touchdowns because yeah. nobody yeah. was near him. Right. And it's 31-27 with 90 seconds to go and an onside kick. Mm. I like your scenario. I like your scenario. Yeah, I'm trying to trying Listen, to get us there, Coach. I like any scenario that gets us close to the big one. Yeah. That's that's True. a scenario that I like. Now, look, Tyreek Hill might score a billion points on the Jaguars. <laughs> yeah. But Miami just lost Bradley Chubb today. 
and they already lost Jalen Phillips. Their two best defensive ends are gone. Mm. Trevor, or I guess Bethard, but hopefully Trevor, would have a lot of time to look at that Miami secondary without Bradley Chubb and without Jalen Phillips on that Dolphin defense. Okay. Yeah, Ramsey. Well, yeah, Ramsey ain't going after the quarterback. Oh, that's what you want, though. You want us to stick it to Ramsey. <laughs> I would love to stick it to Ramsey. Now, look, Tyreek Hill will be a problem. Uh, that, uh, I, I think it's that, a great assumption. Exactly. <laughs> I'd much rather go that to Miami venom, than – That venom runs deep with you and Ramsey, but, but to coach – well, yeah, but to coach's point, I'd much rather go to Miami than Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, Under the assumption yeah, oh, Jacksonville wins wild absolutely. card weekend. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, and we'll get, we'll get into more of that. We're going to discuss what's going to happen with Pittsburgh here in a moment. Kansas City is up, I believe, five on Cincinnati. We'll kind of go over the AFC playoff picture again. We got one more segment of callers if you want to get in. 641-1010. We're with you for another 35 or 40 minutes. It is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. And again, live, Players Grill in Mandarin on San Jose Boulevard, 10140. San Jose Boulevard, come on out here for delicious food. They got all the games on. Absolutely spectacular. Right in the heart of Mandarin. It's a home game for me. I'm about three minutes away. I love the Players Grill. You will too. Come on out and join us for the fifth quarter here on 1010XL and 92. Point five FM. Yes, yes, y'all. Check it out, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. Check it out, y'all. This is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Mandarin, presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Yes, it is. Glad you're with us. 1010XL 92.5 FM. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a drive of the game. That drive of the game is brought to you by our friends at Tire Outlet. RJ, let's do it now. The Tire Outlet drive of the game. Now, the Tire Outlet drive of the game. Tire Outlet. Wholesale prices, premium service. Leon, very rarely do we have a field goal as the drive of the game. Mm-hmm. But the Jaguars took the opening kickoff, and you're wondering, all right, what about C.J. Beathard? What about this offense? Mm-hmm. 13 plays, 43 yards, 6 minutes, and 24 seconds off the clock getting a Brandon McManus field goal. Mm-hmm. I think that opening drive and the long opening drive at that kind of put some people at ease with C.J. Beathard. It, it, it did. You know, it, it's like hack. It's like putting a pot of a, 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 a pot of water on the burner and you simmer, and you want to see what kind of temperature you're going to get. Uh, then that, That's what I was looking at for Beth. I wanted to see what he was going to give us, and I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, initially, I was concerned. But then when I saw the game plan and it led to a field goal, I said, okay, all right. Yep, I, I, understand, I, I understand what they're trying to do. You know, they're not, they're not trying to him to play out of his element. They're going to play to 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 his strengths and, 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 and run the ball and dink and dunk or whatever. Led to a field goal. I said, okay, I can live with that. Absolutely. I was totally fine with it. Coach, I know I asked Leon about this earlier. I'll get your thoughts. A-plus for me for C.J. Beathard. I mean, he did, to me, exactly what Doug Peterson wanted him to do today. Yeah, and and getting off to that start, I mean, that kind of showed that defense, hey, you know, he isn't just coming in here to to drive a a, a bus. He's in here to drive a Porsche. (laughs) And uh, it it was good. It was Mm. a good start. 
Let's go down to Bayard here on the fifth quarter on 10-10XL. I got a speeding ticket down there once. I'll never forget oh. that. Yeah, I did back in the day. It was unbelievable. Okay. It was about 15, 20 years ago. Well, I've seen but, how uh, you drive. I've, no, dri well, I've, we, driven, I've driven with you. We were leaving the golf course down there in Palm Valley, and <laughs> my man sure? pulled me over. And I, I didn't have enough clout to pull the hacker card at that time, if any of the j good folks at the JSL are yeah. listening. If I get pulled over now, I'll be like, do you listen to the radio by any chance and just see what happens? Listen, Leon says you can't drive anyway. No, he, <laughs> no, he can't drive, but he drives fast. Oh, drive fast. One, oh, of, the, okay. one of the best moments is Leon and I did a show in Palatka once. So Leon meets me at my house, and I got the Honda Fit, right? I mean, it's yeah. not exactly a yeah. big car. Right. And I got my man, former offensive tackle, pro bowler, Leon's got to get in that Honda and drive to Palatka. Uh, how was that car ride for you, by the uh, way? It was tight. I had to, I had, yeah, it was tight. I'm yeah, there's no tight. doubt about that. Justin down in Bayard, you're with us here on the fifth quarter. Justin, go ahead. Hey, gentlemen. Um, first off, good win by the Jaguars today. I definitely think Cam Robinson coming back held in that uh, offensive line and got us back in more of a uh, – our run situation. I think uh, him showing up next week will definitely help our run game throughout the season. That's all I got to say. Go Jags. Justin, appreciate it. Leon, it goes back to what we talked about in hour number one. Cam Robinson brings an element that this Jaguar offensive line had not had since he was injured. Cam mm -hmm. Robinson is seven. The Jaguars are seven and one when Cam Robinson plays yeah. as the starting left tackle. At some point, that's no longer a coincidence. At some point, there's something to that. Yeah, I mean, Cam, I'm um, Cam is solid. Now, he brings a, he he brings a, a attitude to the offensive line that we haven't seen over the last month. You know, I mean, there still needs work interiorly, but this offensive line just seems to have a little bit more giddy up. Or oh, the offense has a little bit more giddy up when there because he's got attitude, he's got moxie. He's he's the type of guy that's not going to back down. You know, you're not going to be able to stress him and make him you know cower in the corner. I mean, he's going to come out swinging, and I like that about him. I like that he don't take any you-know-what. I like that about him. That proved it today. And he did it at the right time. And I say that's probably the toughest thing this offensive line has done all year. And I'm, I'm serious about that because I, I, I've been watching this offensive line over the last month just get pushed around and nobody pushes back. So it was good to see Cam, Cam understood the circumstances. I'm sure if it was a game where it was closer, then we're, and it was a closer and it came down to where Cam got kicked out the game, then it would be a, it'd be a bigger concern. But the fact that the game was a blowout and he tossed a helmet and it was a it was a Auburn Tiger and roll tide, so I ain't have a problem. When he was blowing kisses to the fans. Yeah, Cam, I saw that. And Coach Cam's not stupid, right? He knows that this team's kind of been pushed around a little bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe that was – we're up by 26, five minutes to go. I'm going to send a little bit of a message to the rest of our guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I like the guy. I mean – you know, I'm with Leon 100% on that whole thing. And, and uh, you know, I just, you know, I, listen, playing left tackle's tough. Mm -hmm. That's a rough operation over there. But if you've got a little bit of nastiness to you, mm -hmm. it's got to help for sure. And I think that's where he brings that. I think he kind of, uh, I'm sure he came in and told everybody, we need to get this going. So. Let's update you on what's going on in the late games. Pittsburgh has beat Seattle. That is not necessarily a good thing for the Jaguars as far as wild card opportunities. Kansas City is beating Cincinnati. That would be a good thing for the Jaguars as far as wild card opportunities. The only thing wild card opportunities would matter is if Jacksonville loses to Tennessee next week. A Jacksonville win in Nashville, and they are the AFC South champions. They will host a first-round playoff game. 
a Jacksonville loss to Tennessee next week, and they will not be AFC South champions. That would be the winner of Houston and Indy would win the AFC South if Jacksonville loses. I want to talk about the Titans. They don't have anything to play for other than completely ruining Jacksonville's season, which can be a powerful motivator. We'll get into that next. Window World of Northeast Florida fifth quarter rolls on live from Players Grill in Mandarin. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Mandarin presented by Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics and Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen on 1010XL. Yes, it is. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you an injury update. It's brought to you by our friends at Farah and Farah. RJ, let's do it now. The Farah and Farah injury update. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unfortunately, Jamal Agnew makes a 48-yard catch, gets tackled, gets rolled up on. It's an ankle. He left the game. He did not come back. He's already missed time this year, I believe, with the shoulder. Leon, I mean, you've played a lot of football, obviously, and you had your fair share of injuries. Unfortunately, the injury bug just seems to land on some guys. And this year it's landed at the Jaguar receiver position today, Jamal Agnew. Yeah, it's unfortunate because uh, the wide receiver uh, meeting room is, is depleted. And we, we needed his services. And now we're going to have to rely on even younger receivers to come in and replace some of our veteran leadership. So, yeah, it was unfortunate. Uh, especially he, he also is a hell of a returner as well. So we're missing him not only in the receiving core, but we're also going to miss him on – Special teams, and it's just unfortunate because uh, uh, he fought so hard to get back. All right. The AFC playoff picture looks like this. Kansas City has just defeated Cincinnati. That's good news for the Jaguars. That opens up potential wild card situations because Cincinnati had the tiebreaker over the Jaguars. Coach, the simplest way to put it is this. Jacksonville wins next week. They win the division. Jacksonville loses next week. They do not win the division. It doesn't get any easier than that. If they lose next week, potentially there's a wild card spot available, although that would also take a lot of help. you got to beat Tennessee next week, and it's a dangerous situation. It's one we've been in many times here in Jacksonville. Go back a couple of years, Indianapolis, the Urban Meyer fiasco. Indy came in here. All they needed to do was beat lowly Jacksonville, and they would win the division, and Jacksonville put a number on Indianapolis that day. Cam Robinson was on the field that day. Josh Allen was on the field that day. Dewan Smoot. A lot of guys remember that, and I'm sure a lot of guys might even use that to talk to some of the younger guys. Trevor Lawrence obviously was the quarterback that day. That cannot happen. You cannot lay an egg going to 5-11 Tennessee in a must-win situation next Sunday. Well, you know, I'm a firm believer, you know, having been in about 11 or 12 playoff situations when, when you know, in my career – that uh, we always looked at it at the end of the year that when it was a tight situation like that, if we didn't win this game, we didn't deserve to be in there. Mm -hmm. And that's how we looked at it. And I think we have to look at it the same way. Now, would I like to get in there if things didn't go my way? Yeah, absolutely. But I I really believe that if, if we're not ready for this one, 
and to go in there, and every game's different. We're going to have to play. We're going to need the same kind of game we just played today. And uh, if we don't do that, then we're probably not going to get in. I never like it when I have to have two or three things happen mm -hmm. in order to get in there. That's for sure. Leon, I've already heard from some of my brethren mm -hmm. in the Nashville media, Yeah, we're going to ruin your season next week is the text I got. All right? It's all about ruining the Jaguar season. That's the message in Nashville. Now, the Titans looked awful today. Mm -hmm. Awful. They lost to Houston 26-3. Levis got hurt. He got carted off with a foot injury. He did not come back. Tannehill finished the game. Jeffrey Simmons is on IR. He's gone. Um, Derrick Henry, potentially his final game mm -hmm. in a Titan uniform. I mean, there's not a lot going for Tennessee other than they hate us yeah. and they would like to ruin our season. Yeah, and the feelings is mutual. We hate yeah. them as well. Those so, male leaders. Exactly. As you famously said last year. Absolutely. You hate the Titans. I hate the Titans. So, yeah, I mean, the Jaguars, I'm with Coach, I'm old school. Listen, if you can't play, if you, the Jaguars can't play inspired football with everything to win and nothing to lose, then you don't deserve to go to the playoffs. The, the, like you said, the Titans don't plan for anything other than to ruin our season. We're trying to do something that we haven't done since I played. That's right. We haven't won back-to-back -back division titles since I was here in 98 to 99. So, I mean, all these things factored into there's reasons for us to play well in this game, opportunity to win a division, get in the playoffs. And like Coach Sled said, once you get in the playoffs, I don't care what your date is as long as you bring it to the dance. Yeah, like it could right. be an ugly day. It don't matter. And right now we've been ugly. And the date that we bring it to the playoffs is going to be ugly, but it don't matter. Once you get to the dance, anything can happen. My head's going to explode talking about some of these potential tiebreakers. Here's what you need to know going into the final <laughs> week of the regular season. Of the 16 teams in the AFC, Coach, 11 yeah. are still alive for oh, a playoff yeah. spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But that's uh, – guys, I've been saying that. There's no – there are no JVs in the National Football League. It's tough to win here. You have to play. You can't make a lot of mistakes. You can't turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. you got to have a heck of a football team to lose the turnover battle. And so, you know, those every game you got to show up. you got to be, uh, you know, do your technique properly. you got to play, you know, execute all that to win in this league. You talk about 11 teams, Leon. The Las Vegas Raiders were eliminated today. Thanks for nothing. They lost to Indianapolis. Tennessee lost to Houston. Cincinnati, Denver are the two 8-8 eight eight teams. They need an astronomical amount of help next week. They're still alive, mm -hmm. but they need an astronomical amount of help. At least in Cincy's case, Jacksonville loses, Cincy wins. Cincy would be higher than us because Cincy owns the tiebreaker. So that's what complicates things. Um, Pittsburgh is currently the 9 seed on the outside looking in. They're 9-7. and seven. What's interesting is Houston and Indy – Indy would be in right now as the seven. Houston's the eight. They play each other next week. We're waiting for the NFL to announce times on these games. They should start coming out with the times pretty soon here. All the AFC teams are done playing. The loser of Houston and Indy will not finish higher than Jacksonville, even if Jacksonville loses. Because the loser of Houston and Indy will be nine and eight. If Jacksonville loses, they're nine and eight, but Jacksonville has the tiebreaker over both. So Houston and Indy are playing potentially for the division, and the loser is going to miss the playoffs. But it may not be for the division if Jacksonville beats Tennessee. <laughs> it is an absolutely wacky scenario going into next week. Okay. That's, uh, this time of the season, everybody loves it. Parody in football. Yeah. You just said what? 
How many teams are still in? Eleven it? out of the sixteen in the AFC. There you go. And what right. I what I like what they did, coach, and it wasn't like this when you coached or when Leon played, but about five years ago they went to division games on week eighteen, and that's why you have all these crazy situations next week. Very few of these games will be quote meaningless games. Well, and I watched a little bit of the post game shows after the after our ball game before I headed over here. And like they said on that show, it's good for us and good for the fans, and it's good for the money in the National Football League to have the parity. That's why they want it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, hey, uh, let's just win. All this tiebreaker baloney, let's win this next ball game mm-hmm. and then go on from there. That's exactly right. When people ask you what needs to happen for the Jaguars to get in, just beat Tennessee. Win. Just beat Tennessee. A Tennessee team that, again, will be hoping to ruin your season. That's a powerful motivator. And the interesting thing is the Jaguars have been well, in this situation many times. Well, you're talking about to ruin our season. Let's ruin their offseason. Yeah. You know, we got a lot to play for, too. Got a ton to play you for. You know, let's send them on vacation early. Cabo, you go an extra week of Cabo. <laughs> we'll be back to wrap it up. We'll be back to put a wrap on the year. Obviously, the ball dropping tonight there at Times Square. Happy New Year to everybody. One segment to go. Window World of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. Brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. Players Grill in Mandarin has been our stop tonight. Certainly appreciate the good folks out here at Players Grill for having us for the fifth quarter. Putting a bow on it next. 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The Window World of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. From Players Grill Mandarin. Presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen. And Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Wrapping it up, 26-0. The Jaguars over the Carolina Panthers with the Pro Bowler Leon Searcy and the head coach Dave Campo. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. All right, gentlemen. Let's take a brief look back and look ahead. Leon first today, 26-0, dominating win, a much-needed win for the Jaguars over Carolina. Yeah, I think this Jaguar team needed this win um, for morale's sake. They they needed to see themselves at their best, all right, defensively, offensively, did some nice things offensively. Uh, Beathard took care of the football, offensive staff, defensive staff, called a great game. So when you go in the film room together – you, you're watching the film together, and you see yourself making plays. I think that internally and I think that mentally lets you know that even though you're getting off that slump, that you can get things rolling because one win can lead to two wins. Two wins gets you in the playoff for a third win and a fourth win. I'm just telling you, this thing have a snowball effect in the positive way that the Jaguars utilizes. Coach Leon just said it, positive, the first positivity in that Jaguar locker room in over a month. Yeah, I, I kind of like it, and I heard this uh, analogy earlier, so this is not mine, but I, I kind of like it uh, when a basketball guy says, we just need to see the ball go through the hoop, mm-hmm. and then you make a run. Mm-hmm. That's what we're hopeful that this is today. It gives that ball going through the hoop. And let's make a run at it. Let me ask you this. All right, we got about three minutes to go. Tennessee, same situation, different stadium. But the Jaguars find themselves in a situation for the second year in a row, week 18. You beat the Titans, you win the AFC South. They did it a year ago. Can they do it again? I believe you can. I mean, uh, we're a better football team than they are if we do what we're supposed to do. 
That's the key. I believe they, they've got to go there with that mindset. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that Trevor can play. Uh, I'm hopeful that Trevor has a great ball game. But if it's, if it's uh, Beathard, he's already proven that he can, he can uh, manage the ship. Leon, it's likely division championship or nothing for the Jaguars. Obviously, nothing else really needs to be said. It's a gigantic game next Sunday. It's a huge game against a, a team, quite frankly, that we despise. Where they disgust me, all right? Let me just get that quite frankly. I hate the Titans, absolutely. They cost me. Cost me a Super Bowl. But putting all that aside, like Coach said this earlier, this, this, it, we're the better team. If they can't beat the Titans and, and win a division, then they don't deserve to go in the playoffs. That's, that's just the, the way I feel because this team is, is in disarray. The offensive line is terrible. Derrick Henry isn't the, the back that he used to be. Tannehill will throw you two or three if you, if you allow him. And that defensive front is they're hampered with injuries on, on, on defensive side of the ball. So, and we are too, but, you, but I think we're the better team. You got to take advantage of it. It's an opportunity. And when you have that opportunity, you got to seize it. You got you, you to grab it and you got to make the most of it. And I think this team will respond well and beat the Titans next week. One thing I wanted to add before we wrap up, um, Evan Ingram, the eighth tight end in NFL history. With 100 catches in a single season, mm -hmm. he only becomes the second Jaguar ever, joining Jimmy Smith to do that. Josh Allen setting the Jaguar single-season sack record today, passing Calais Campbell. Josh Allen and Evan Ingram, a tip of the cap to those guys. Absolutely fantastic seasons, Coach. Absolutely. Uh, congratulations to them. Congratulations to the Jags today. I'm a defensive guy. You shut somebody out in the league, you ought to be proud of that. And let's go do it again. Leon, give a message to the Jaguar fans as we head into next week. Get ready for the playoffs, baby. You get, calling your shot seven days early? Right. Babe Ruth, that's right. I'm calling my shot. <laughs> pointing I'm pointing it to pointing right there. Field. I'm, I'm pointing to Nashville. We're going to go up there and take <laughs> care of business. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Happy New Year happy to Happy New you. Year, guys. That is the Pro Bowler, Leon Searcy. He is the head coach, Dave Campo. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Andrew Gibson was our on-site engineer, R.J. Saunders, making it all happen back at World Headquarters. The window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. We've been brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. Again, thank you to our friends out here at Players Grill Mandarin on San Jose Boulevard. We'll be right back here next week after the Jaguars and the Titans either celebrating a division championship and I won't even mention what we'll be doing if they lose to Tennessee. We're not even going to talk about it. Have a terrific New Year's Eve. Stay safe out there. Jeff Prosser's in studio, 6 a.m. Tuesday. We'll kick off 18 hours of local programming on your home of the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Until then, Happy New Year, Jacksonville. <laughs>